Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dax Shepard. I'm joined by Monica Lily Padman. Hi. How are you? Great. Mm, mm, mm. We're in your living room. You just gave me a bite of a ham and cheese croissant that is rocking my world. Shout out Tartine. Ooh. You can buy the Tartine cookbook across the nation. I don't know oh, if they have... Nationwide. I don't know if they have restaurants nationwide, but you can definitely buy the cookbook. They have beautiful breads. Mm. You know who else is nationwide? J.B. Smoove. He is. J.B. Smoove. J.B. Smoove is an American actor, a comedian, and a writer. He is one of the best parts of a perfect show, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Just can't get enough of him on there. And Real Husbands of Hollywood. He's so funny. He has a new podcast called May I Elaborate? Daily Wisdom from J.B. Smoove. Affirmations, elaborations, and hallucinations from one of comedy's most enigmatic minds, Join JB's move each week as he reads a new quote from an inspirational calendar to try to squeeze even more wisdom and motivation out of it. And uh, this is our last Monday before we go to Spotify. That's right. Thursday is our first episode exclusively at Spotify. President Barack Obama. We hope everyone joins us over there for that delightful conversation. Remember, it's free. It's free, 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 free. Same show. Can't reiterate it enough. Please enjoy JB's move. We are supported by Caliper CBD. Caliper CBD powder is the only clinically proven fast-acting CBD. Caliper delivers 30 times more CBD in the first 30 minutes versus CBD oil. Get all the benefits of CBD in just 10 minutes. Some CBD oils can take over an hour to absorb. But Caliper was developed by food science experts with decades of experience, rigorously tested for purity and quality. Caliper CBD comes in a convenient and easy-to-use packs. Precisely 20 milligrams in each packet, always THC-free. Feel better without the high. No weird tastes, no oily residue. Mixes easily into any food or drink. And it's all-natural, vegan, non-GMO, free of fillers, added chemicals, and artificial flavors. If you like feeling calm, less soreness, less pain, sleeping easier, this is for you. Get 20% off your first order when you use promo code DAX at tricaliper.com slash DAX. You can try Caliper CBD risk-free for 30 days. If you don't love it, they'll give you a full refund. That's tricaliper.com slash DAX. Don't forget promo code DAX for 20% off your first order. We are supported by Mickey D's. Mm, yummy. You may refer to it as McDonald's. Boy, oh boy. I want to take a second, Monica, to explain to you my very favorite McDonald's item. The Big Mac. <gasps> the one that started it all for me. Yeah, that's a good product. Oh my goodness, you got two all-beef patties, you got the special sauce, you got the lettuce cheese, mm. all on a sesame seed bun. Mm. And of course, as I've told everyone, the hack for me is extra sauce, extra cheese. It just takes it to a whole nother level. I want that right now. You notice me, when I get to a finish line, in fact... You just got to one. Should we have some Big Macs tonight? That would be yummy. Oh, Let's do it. And I'm going to drive there and get it hot. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, I like it's that. It's got to be piping hot. Now, if I had a chance to describe the Big Mac in one word, I would probably say either mouthwatering or perfection. I can't imagine a world without the Big Mac. That would be like a world without happiness or you, Monica, or Aww. joy. So treat yourself to your own Big Mac today, and you might as well get some yummy fries with it, too, so you can get the special sauce that drips off your Big Mac. Oh, my God. <gasps> wow. Orgasmic. Big Mac from McDonald's. Just talking about this makes me want to excuse myself for a couple of beef patties and some special sauce. 
Black guys, we got a black guy coming on. I tell you that much. I tell you that much. I tell you that much. That ain't gonna happen. Not today. Not Obama. Not Don Cheadle. Not Denzel. Nobody. I'm the number one black guy. That's right. We promise to not reference any other black folks for the next hour. Hey, I'm ordained. Proprietary. You own it. My numbers are moving, man. I'm at 11 seconds already. 12 mm. seconds, 13. <laughs> this could be the only episode where you just literally count up to an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know what's great is we're clearly in your closet, which is such a privileged point of view. Gorgeous closet. Let me tell you something, man. This takes time. It takes time to do this. It took us a few years of getting this home, but it is exactly what we wanted. And what we did was we gutted everything. We gutted the house interior. We gutted the exterior of the home. All that old stucco had to come off. We gutted the backyard. All the fences that surround the property. We gutted everything and started over. All the hardscape had to go. We got rid of a whole goddamn pool. You know you're rich when you know the word hardscape. I just learned it this year. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, see? That shows you have a feng shui deficiency. This is what I just learned. This is what we really have in common. Both of us would have been way better just fucking hiring a bulldozer to drive through the whole place and start from scratch. Because if you tore off the exterior, the interior, the backyard, which is what we did, it would have been a lot easier and cheaper just to plow it. We said the same thing, man. We said, why don't we just start from scratch? Nothing better than a move-in ready home. but. We love the aesthetics of the home. Yeah, we could have just repeated it. We could have just knocked the whole house down, found the original yeah. plans from the city, and just redid the whole goddamn house, but a newer version of the same goddamn house. New and improved. Now, this is a fun project. Or we bought like 10,000 boxes of Lego and just built the most craziest <laughs> Lego home you ever see in your life. People couldn't drive past it without stopping. Like, goddamn, is that a Lego home right there? Lego steps, Lego kitchen, countertops, everything Lego. (gasps) Well, really quick, let me break down what I'm looking at. We actually, this may surprise you, we've interviewed some folks in their closet. We haven't interviewed anyone, nor have I ever been in someone's closet with the same proportion dedicated to hat space. This is such a first for me. This is very novel. It's brand new. It's 70% of your closet area is for hats. So if I move the, the camera and show you the sneaker wall, the uh, cowboy boot wall, the the suit jacket wall over here, my coat wall, my oh, my wow. just for red carpet tuxedo wall over here. Wow. Oh oh wow! How many square feet is your closet? Shit, eight hundred, uh, maybe five hundred, five fifty. This is my lane. I love fashion. Here's one thing about me: I am not gaudy. I'm not the dude that's gonna be buying. Dumbass chains. I just love certain eras. I love mm-hmm. certain cuts, certain lapels. I love beautiful pocket squares. Now, let me tell you something. You love bow ties. If you add up all the shit in this room, it's probably like $85. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, I want to jump right into the deep end because Monica and I had this conversation the other day and I think you'll have a great opinion on it. In general, I hate when people are on Instagram like getting on a private jet. It just grosses me out, right? Yeah. But I said to Monica, I fucking love it when black dudes do it. Like, I'm all in. If Jay-Z wants to show me his house and he's got 300,000 square feet, I'm applauding it. Do it. I have such a different place in my head for black dudes flossing than I do anyone else. So, like, normally, if you were a white dude and you were telling me about this closet and a tuxedo area and all this, I'd kind of be like, oh, man. But I love it for you. I'll give another example. First of all, you're amazing on Howard. I love when you're on Howard. And also, of course, Tracy Morgan's amazing on Howard. And Tracy Mm. Morgan will be talking about owning Bugattis. Now, if someone else came on and was like, oh, I own Bugattis. I've got a a 500,000-gallon fish tank. I wouldn't like it. But I love it. Right. It's underdog. I know. Let me tell you something. I'm from New York City. I'm from North Carolina. About five years old to New York, the projects in Mount Vernon. And my tedious journey is still not finished i would do this shit for free if i had another fucking option if i had some other shit i was doing i would do comedy for fucking free let's just say i hit the lottery for 10 million tomorrow you know what i would do i would do fucking free shows for every comedy club that ever supported me in my career i would make people laugh i made this one dude laugh one time i'm on a flight going to new york from la i had planned to take a fucking nap for that five mm-hmm. hour ride all i kept saying to myself was Get on this plane, put my fucking head back, I'm gonna drop my hat over my face like this, and it's a wrap. All I wanna remember is takeoff and fucking landing. The last thing I wanna hear is, (laughs) welcome, please remain seated with your seatbelt fastened until we arrive at the fucking gate. That's all I wanna hear. Wait, hold on, hold on. You don't wanna hear, um, if you look out the right side of the window, you (laughs) can see the southwest (laughs) edge of Grand Canyon. God, by the way, can we call a wrap on all the geographical point outs on the, on the plane? It's okay. You don't have to tell me everything we're flying over. So the guy sat next to me. This dude proceeded to talk to me for five fucking hours. Oh, boy. The whole goddamn trip. So guess what? I, I missed the fucking takeoff, and I missed the, I missed all that shit because he was talking over that shit. But I say that because when, I, when we landed, I felt like, yeah, I wanted to rest. Yeah, got two shows tonight. But you know what? I made that motherfucker happy just now. He 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 enjoyed it. Yeah. Now, listen, you're very positive. It's what I love about you. But two things. One, does it not ever feel daunting that it is on your shoulders? This is sometimes what's led. I feel like I've developed social anxiety a little bit. I never had it. But I feel like in that situation... It's on my shoulders to entertain that person for five hours. It's not on the businessman's shoulders. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it's not. It's not on his shoulders. Here's what it is. It is on your shoulders because you know why? When we are assholes or this should go awry, it should spread like wildfire. And if, you know, yeah. he, he told a friend, hey, I sat next to Dax on the fucking flight. I talked to him, but he just fucking, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Or he, he turned me the wrong way. It happens. It happens because (laughs) they think we're not real people and we are fucking real people. I would fly back 
to Detroit like every week to go deal with my dad's chemo. He was dying. So mm -hmm. those trips to Detroit, if you sat next to me, like yeah, there's only so much I can do in that situation. Yeah, exactly. If you heard my Heart of Stern interviews, I told Stern, so look, man, you want to be able to eat spaghetti on a patio at a restaurant. Patios right out there. People can walk by and see you. You want to be able to eat that spaghetti like you would eat that shit at home. You want to be able to sure. slurp that spaghetti. Mouthful. Yeah. Fucking sauce splashing on people and shit. Yeah. <laughs> and you want it to look like an octopus is fighting Ooh. in your mouth. Yeah. You want to look like this shit is everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's how you want to eat spaghetti. But you want to be able to eat that shit on the patio without motherfuckers looking at you or taking photos of you eating that goddamn spaghetti. Oh, man. And, and when people pull their children in, holy shit. I was on a cruise ship one time, and this whole table full of people sent a four-year-old to my table yeah. while I'm eating soup and said, Mr. JB, my dad and my mom love you. Could you come over to our table to say hi? And I'm eating with my family. Hey, I sucked it up. My soup oh. got cold. I walked over there. <laughs> <laughs> you know how hard you can't reheat soup on a cruise? You know what I'm saying? Oh. Once they make it. Then they get long-winded. Everybody got a fucking question. So I, I had to like find a way to still be nice, but excuse myself to go back and eat my goddamn butternut squash soup. Does your family get resentful that you, Fuck that yeah. you are placating? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Here's a look you get from your wife. She goes, what the, uh, like, uh -huh. really? Really? Yeah. We are enjoying our time that we don't get together, but this family wants you now? Ooh, shit. And your soup is getting cold? Motherfucker. It does sound like you prioritize the soup getting cold over your wife being pissed, <laughs> if I'm being dead honest. And when someone else is excited about meeting you and seeing you and always wanting to talk to you, it, it is truly your job to show the fuck up and talk to the person. Now, listen, you grew up in the projects, as you mentioned. You moved, you know, three or five, depending on whether you're right or Wikipedia is right. You moved from North Carolina to New York, grew mm -hmm. up in the projects. So... I grew up broke too. My thing is I just keep buying Jordans like toothbrushes. But for me, it's definitely filling this void of like, that's the shit I wanted that other kids had. I couldn't have it. Oh. Your aesthetic is so interesting to me because you're 10 years older than me. So you're growing up in yeah. the 80s. It's not, it's not like dudes were rocking these hats in your school or anything. So where's the aesthetic coming from? How is this the shit you always wanted that you couldn't have? Well, one, it's the era I grew up in. But here's my thing. I feel as though, you know how they say you've been there before? I feel as though I've been here before. And I feel okay. as though, for some reason, I, I'm attracted to this era when men wore suits and they wore hats and they wore shoes, fancy shoes. Even the heyday of Harlem, I'm sure you've seen uh, Harlem Nights. Oh my oh, God, yeah. man. Little details I look at, I'm like, holy shit. And I could take that right there. I would steal that. I love the way he tied his fucking scarf around his neck. I love the way he accentuated the shit with this goddamn pocket square. Fuck, man. Uh -huh. Just little details. I want to psychoanalyze you, though, for one second. I didn't like how I looked. So I had like a mohawk. I had all this shit that would distract you from the thing I didn't really want you to look at, my face. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wondering... Uh, do you like how you look and is your style at all informed by like, I'm going to have so much shit going on around me that like I'll be this whole package? Or do you love how you look? Here's what I say. I'm not the most handsome man in the world. 
But I'm gonna tell you what beats handsome every time. Fucking character. Like, it's a fucking amazing ass, Kirk Douglas ass dimple. This shit looks like a woman's private parts. I'm telling you right fucking now. <laughs> if I cut this bitch and I put my chin to that fucking little little camera right there, you would hit my chin. If you were in prison, guys would probably attack your chin. You hear me? Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree with you. Your personality can get you a shitload. Uh, the way you carry yourself, the supposed confidence. I'm saying seventh, eighth grade JB looking in the mirror. Are you delighted with what you're seeing reflected back? I just personally wasn't. Wow. No, because I'm going to be honest, man. Humor saved me. I'm telling you, and I got a bad memory. I got a fucking bad memory. It's like I've got bull I, no, I got bullied. I got I had to have like five or six ways to get the fuck home because once the bullies learned my route, I had to change that shit. You say I had to go another way to get the fuck yeah. home. Yeah. I have five, six ways of getting my ass home. You would have been a great taxi driver. Oh man, yeah, I run that shit up because I know a way to get to your home without you even knowing that I'm overcharging your ass by taking another 10 minute route to get to your crib. So yes, man, you find ways to replace things you lack with things that are gonna enhance how you feel, how you look. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest, man, I'm gonna be fucking honest. I'm gonna tell you right now, I don't fucking wear glasses. And I, yeah. know, I know these fake ass glasses are fucking my eyesight up. I know they are, uh, but I can't uh, stop wearing them because I fucking love these goddamn Tom Fords. So yes, there are things that I had to learn. I used to walk. My posture was fucked up. All the uh, things you would think of that a person of style would never have. My posture. I didn't know how to fucking walk, stand. My lower jaw would drop once in a while. If you catch me, if I let my body relax, holy shit, whole fucking jaw would drop down. Like, what the fuck is wrong with your jaw? So <laughs> you, you learn these things watching yeah. people say, oh, I see how you do. He's leaning backward. He's holding his head up. See, my wife corrected me one time, too. My wife, Shaw, said, you know what? Every photo you take, you're tall. For some reason, I don't know if you do this, too. You're a tall guy. Do yeah. you have a reason of going down to people? Like, yeah. oh, yeah. my God. Every time someone posts a photo of me online that I took with them, I'm going down to them. My wife yeah. said, why do you keep bending down to people? You're fucking 6'3". <laughs> Stand the fuck up. It's okay that they look short. It's okay. You're tall. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, it's all like well-intentioned and it just uh, it's not the right way to go. Your wife is right. Just be you, be in the photo, and that's that. <laughs> all right. How did you get a job as a writer on SNL? You started there in 2003, and I know... Your story, you went to Norfolk in Virginia. You studied engineering. Yep. I know you sold fire extinguishers door-to-door, which is hilarious. Yeah. I know you are a perfumer. How do you end up writing on SNL? I auditioned for my second time. The first time I auditioned, it was kind of like, you know, you do the comic strip. You do these comedy clubs, and they set up an audition. For my first time I ever went, I actually was in the same audition as Tracy Morgan. Mm. Um, Tracy, I forgot who else was on that. There's a bunch of us on that first audition I ever did. I didn't make that one. So then in 03, 04, I ended up auditioning again. Now this time, I made it all the way to NBC Test. It was myself, Finesse Mitchell, and Kenan Thompson remaining. It was the three of us. Wow. You got Lauren and all the writers in the stands 
Really quick, oh three, Seth is there, Tina's oh, there. Yeah. Tina's there, wow. everybody. Oh man, what a great oh. group of writers. And Ooh. the cast was amazing. Really an amazing, amazing place to be. And then I auditioned, left New York, came back to LA, and then I got a phone call. I think Lauren called me. And he said, JB, you are you, we like you a lot. Unfortunately, we ended up going with Finesse and uh Keenan. I said, oh, okay, it's all good. I said, those are my guys. See, that's the one thing about me is, man, you got to truly believe in what you do in order for opportunities to pass because you know that you're going to get another at bat and you, you're just waiting to hit the right pitch. And sometimes that, that is not the pitch. And I tell people all the time, I tell young people the same thing. Wait for your pitch. It's so hard, though. Don't swing at everything because you look silly swinging at everything. And when you take everything, you tarnish what you have built because you're taking everything and you're taking the wrong things. And if you're not going to put 200% into that thing, it's not going to be worth it. So what I did was when he called me and said he ended up going with them, and then he said, um, would you like to come in as a writer? And me, not having any writing experience, I'm a straight stand-up. I said, you know what? This would look great on my resume. That's all I thought about was future. Dude, the pedigree of having written on SNL, you're going to work. You'll work. Fuck yeah. Now you can get in and see the inner workings of this. Mm. So I got in there. Man, I'm going to tell you something. I had four jobs when I worked at SNL. I was a writer. I, was, uh, I did warm-up for two seasons. I was in monologues all the time, sketches here and there. And then Conan was still at NBC. So Conan yeah. was a few stories down doing his show. And he found out I'm upstairs writing. He said, oh, shit, JB's upstairs? I get a phone call to come down. I must have done Conan on camera as a writer on SNL. I must have done Conan 11 times. Yeah. He would call Lauren's office and say, can we borrow JB? And Lauren would call my office, my room. Uh, Conan needs you downstairs. You're going to do a sketch. Go down there and do a sketch and come back upstairs. Oh, cool. I go come back upstairs. <laughs> come back upstairs. That's where finish, you work. And finish, and finish <laughs> writing. I said, okay, go. I mean, that's exciting. You know, oh, to be yeah. able to go downstairs and get on camera when you're sitting behind a computer as an actor, comedian. Shit. I very much remember you in those sketches. They were very memorable and you stood out. Yeah, it's like Conan recognized Bob Villa was two stories up. And it was like, oh, we got a leak. Get Bob Via down here. He's just sitting up there. So for me, it made sense on so many levels. Now, this is how all this works. Me and Conan became good friends from doing sketches on his show. And then after I left SNL, I ended up being on his show. Shit, I must have done as a guest on his show another goddamn 10 times. And then... I end up getting a podcast through Conan. So I say that because you plant these seeds and you don't even know you're planting. We got to talk about Curb because, yes. first of all, you're so fucking amazing on that show. I mean, my God, you're so great. What is it like to be on a show for 14 years? Well, you count years. If you count seasons, I came in season six. It is now season 11. But 2007 till 21. 2007 to 21. It's the years. Now, Larry did take five years off. So that's got to be a little asterisk next to that shit. Like, it was my favorite show before I even got on the show. Yeah. And I go back again to planting these goddamn seeds. 
The first thing I ever did when I started doing stand-up was I took an improv class at the old improv comedy club in New York on 44th and 9th. I took a class there. Marty Friedman was my teacher. Now, Marty Friedman was from SCTV. I used to fucking love SCTV. Funniest sketch shit ever, right? Ended up taking his class for that summer. Right after my class was over, that club closed down for good. It was a wrap on So I took that little improv seed, put that in my little toolbox. And then years later, I loved Curb. I was working at SNL. I didn't get renewed my fourth season. And next thing you know, I'm on the show that I love. I told my wife, I said, I would love to be on this show one day. And my wife told me, you're going to be on that show one day because I can see you and Larry together. I see it vividly. You say crazy stuff. This show is crazy. You know how great you guys would be together? It's a perfect odd couple. I have a theory, though. It's exactly what we've been talking about, which mm -hmm. is you and I and Monica feel very compelled to do the right thing, what is expected of us. And you do it better than I do it, and Monica does it probably better than I do it, but whatever. Larry is wish fulfillment. He's like, what if I got mm -hmm. to just tell the person on the cruise ship, why don't you suck a dick? I'm eating. <laughs> How about this is a plan? You suck a dick. And I'll continue eating. Like, that's what your id wants to do. And so Larry is so fun to watch because he's virtually moving through the world like that. <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever. And I bet it's fun for you to be on the show where you get to, oh. like, you get to act the way that you would never let yourself act in real life. You never do this shit in real life, man. My character gives Larry good, bad advice. Meaning yeah. it shit sounds logical, but it's not. Yeah. Your character, I've known many people like your character, which is you can have the gift of verbiage without being mm. smart. It's weird. Like it's there are weird. dudes yes. who have got a great vocabulary and they can spin yarns. But if you really listen to what they're saying, you're like, what the fuck did he just say? That's the worst idea I ever heard. And that's what your character is. Like you can put it together rapid fire. You've got the words for it. It's only later where you're like, well, that didn't add up to anything. <laughs> and it's like improvising is it's so in the moment. It's like you're in this place and sometimes the words just come to you. Once you know your character, you will only say what your character would say. I was just going to say, I have a couple characters like Frito from Idiocracy. This sounds so lofty, but it's the fucking truth. <laughs> He knows things I don't know. Like yes. if I start talking in that voice, he knows words I don't use. Oh, he knows yes. like, isn't that the most fun? It's so fun. It's so fun, man. Traveling yeah. in that dude's car. And just like people ask me all the time about the Leon character. And I say, I only say stuff that Leon would say. And you can almost probably, JB can observe Leon talking, right? Like, like yes. when I used to do Frito a lot, I'd be like, oh my God, what's he fucking saying? Yeah, right. Like, I really <laughs> felt that way. <laughs> yes. It's got to be so fun to hear yourself be Leon and go like, oh goodness, wow, that's... I think I could interview him. I think mm. I could interview this dude because, of course, we have some cadence here and there. Of course, yeah. I have a certain delivery. But you take that character and that character has his own unique voice his own thoughts. You say shit that only he would say. And yeah. it works. It works, man. And you could almost not sit down and write it. Yeah, right. Isn't right. that wild? Like, I can't really oh. necessarily write that, but yeah, it's wild. You it's can fun. speak in his voice, 
candidly in his voice and shit will come to you like it's nothing because you're actually tapping into that character and you can say shit all day. For me, that's how it started is my best friend Aaron and I have a bunch of shared characters and we would just live in those voices for like eight hours a day. I'm trying to think how long I could do Leon straight. One time we did this scene where I was telling Larry, because he was dating my sister in season one. And what happened was she ended up getting sick, right? And they couldn't have sex no more. So I was giving Larry dap because I know how hard it must be for you to stay with my sister and knowing you can't tap that shit no more. You are gold to me. My sister's sick, Larry. She's fucking sick, you know? You can't have sex with her no more. And Larry's face keeps changing. Like, he's realizing that he got to break up with her because he can't have sex with her no more. You know what I mean? And I must have did 15 minutes straight of praising him, saying they're going to put a fucking statue of him in the center of the city. You're going to be dry dick man. You know, because you... <laughs> it was just silly. But you can do that in your character because your character has no rules. He has no chill button. Yeah, he never has to pay the bill. Yes. Oh, yeah, it's shit, great. Man. Liberating. It's like oh. the thing Larry does. See, I got a rule. I got rules when I work with Larry. One thing is I make sure I give Larry something he didn't know about Leon. Because what that does is that creates more forks in the road. He doesn't have an origin. You don't know where the fuck he came from. All you know is he shows up season six, his sister's there, and he made himself at home and didn't fucking mm-hmm. leave. That's all, that's all you know about him. But yeah. if I keep giving Larry little tidbits of information for where I came from, I'm bringing him to life, which in turn creates more segues, more forks in the road, more branches to him that you can use at another time. That's why I do a lot of quotable lines that I can always pull up again. I'm mm. getting that ass. One time I was in New Orleans shooting a film. My wife had flew out to New Orleans, right? So we went to a restaurant. I'm helping her in the car. Somebody did a drive-by and said, get in that ass, Larry. And they (laughs) fucking drove. (laughs) (laughs) I look up. I said, who the fuck said that? They drove by and just said, get in that ass, Larry. So quotable stuff like that is able to be recycled because you have gotten this stink on the character that that's him. Yeah. And dudes like your character do have like 12 go-tos and you hear them nonstop. It's not like that's not grounded. Right. You're grounded in the character. Now, Monica was on the show this year and I've never been more jealous. (laughs) I had two lines. I don't know if it got cut out or it didn't, but yeah, I got to be on it. It was, it was crazy. (laughs) Thank you. Isn't it so unique? Oh, yes. Oh, and see, when you do lines, you get one time to do it. Eh, it's kind of gone. You yeah. don't get the same energy behind it. You don't get the same punch behind it. Yes. When you say some shit for the first time, ooh, if I get him on his heels, he's laughing. Sometimes I change it. One time he got mad at me because <laughs> he, he thought he figured it out, right? He stopped laughing the next two takes. I said, oh, okay. He, th- he thinks he's figured this shit out. So I thought of a new line. Let me tell you something, man. I almost made snot come out his nose. That's how fucking funny this shit was. And then the producers got mad at him because he fucking the takes up. And he oh, said, he, 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 he changed it. He, he, he changed it. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. 
We are supported by Zip Recruiter. Zip Recruiter. Ow, Zip Recruiter. If you're a business owner who's hiring, you probably face a lot of challenges when it comes to finding the right person for your role. Perhaps not enough applicants with the right skills or experience, or maybe too many resumes to sort through. How about not even knowing where to post your job to reach the right people? When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to 100 top job sites with one click. Then ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. In fact, ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. It is no wonder that 2.3 million businesses have come to ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. So, while other companies overwhelm you with way too many options, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for, the needle in the haystack. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Remember to go to this unique place, ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We are supported by KiwiCo. KiwiCo is among one of the sponsors that I just have been buying for years on my own. I think it is the most spectacular craft you can get for young kids. Why not gift your young innovators with super cool STEAM projects to celebrate the end of the school year? With a KiwiCo subscription, your child gets a new crate full of fun science and art projects every month. They're so fun to build. The most amazing thing is that the instructions are perfect. The kids can follow the instructions on their own. You've seen Lincoln. She can tear through a oh, KiwiCo box. Oh, she's amazing. Are you going to bring some on your summer vacation? We have a Rubbermaid thing packed full of KiwiCos. That's awesome. Cultivate your child's natural creativity and curiosity with new hands-on projects every month. They'll explore new worlds and rediscover familiar ones, even without leaving the home. From sailing to the solar system to building an animation machine and more. Everything is shipped right to your door and there's no commitment so you can pause or cancel at any time. KiwiCo does the legwork so you can spend more quality time tackling projects together. There's something for kids of all ages, the best part, watching their confidence grow as big as their smile. With KiwiCo, there's something for every kid or kid at heart every month. Get your first month free on select crates at kiwico.com slash dax. That's K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash dax. I got to ask you a question. I know you're not allowed to answer, but I'm going to see if you can skate around it. Is he a grouchy motherfucker? Like, is he a guy that you just respect so much that you're allowed to, like, you can be around him and you just have ultimate patience for the fact that he is a grumpy motherfucker? You know what? There's two Larrys. There's TV Larry and then there's real Larry. Now, TV Larry has some shit with him. (laughs) And then real Larry got some shit with him. (laughs) <laughs> but it's two different shits. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's two different sure. things. Of course, he turns it up for TV. But Larry is so genuine. He's so Larry. You know what's kind of remind me of when I worked at SNL? And people would talk about how they're intimidated by Lauren. Now, when I first got there, I think I was a little bit. Because you've been at SNL. You know how those long-ass hallways. When you go down to the studio level, this fucking hallway goes like the end of that shit, like the Matrix. It's like a block because the building takes up a whole block. What? This is the most uncomfortable shit. When you turn that corner, right, and you hit down a hallway, the next elevator is all the way a block away. So one time, Lauren turned the corner to come down the hallway. Now, uh-huh. look, 
That's a long walk looking at each other. Yeah. <laughs> Towards somebody. It's too yeah. long. Holy <laughs> shit. It's like, yeah. you're walking, they're walking. You're walking, they're walking. You're walking, they're walking. You're like, holy shit. And know what I did? I ain't gonna lie, man. I fucking abandoned ship. I just like, <laughs> I, knew, I knew that at the halfway point, it was a fucking bathroom. So I, just, I made a hard ass left into that goddamn bathroom at the halfway point. I just, I just waved and cut into the bathroom and shit. Yo, I didn't give a fuck if it was a ladies room or a men's room. I didn't give yeah, a fuck. Yeah. I couldn't do it. It's too much. But after a while, I got real comfortable. I've been talking about shit. He yeah. knew Marty Friedman, my improv guy. I'm going to guess that he liked you a bunch because someone who knew him super duper well said to me, you know, he's really attracted to people who are just comfortable in their own skin. I thought that was an interesting observation. And you obviously are like the apex of feeling comfortable in your own skin. You know what I say? I use this term all the time. And this is the perfect term to use, whether it's out loud or in your head. But... I learned to show my ass. You know what that means? No. Showing your ass means this. You go in that motherfucker and you take over. You drive until they tell you, let me drive. Until they tell you, slow the fuck down. You come in here, you come in high, and then allow them to pull you back. Mm. You know exactly how to pull back. Mm. What you don't know is when they tell you, can you turn it up? You don't know how to turn it up. No one does. You know how to turn it down a little bit. You know how to lower your voice, your attitude. You know how to turn it down a little bit. So that's kind of been my formula. I'm consistently showing my ass because it's easy to show your ass and them tell you, put your pants up a little bit. <laughs> you know how to pull your pants up a little bit. <laughs> but if someone said, put your pants down a little bit. Yeah, you're like, all the way? Yeah. Okay, to your ankles. Yeah. You look like a six-year-old peeing at the urinal. Right. They say, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Not to yeah. your ankles. I didn't mean to your I ankles. I want to crack. Damn. To me, that's the only way to move in your life because you have a gauge to play with. And now you're presenting a brand that is uniquely yours and you get those, like we talked about, you get those, those fucking swings, man. You get additional swings because you, you yeah. got a bunch of pitchers who want to throw that ball to you. Okay, I got two quick questions before we talk about may I elaborate. One is just like a personal curiosity, which is I love your Comedians in Cars. I rewatched it oh. again today. Comedians in Cars getting coffee with Seinfeld. Now, mm -hmm. what well, we were just talking about comfortable in your own skin. Generally, I'm probably overly confident in my own skin. Two times have I like short-circuited. One was talking to Snoop Dogg long ago, and just mid-conversation, I'm like, I've never been so aware of how fucking white I sound, and it's starting to drive me crazy. <laughs> I, I, thought I sounded like that white guy in the 80s, black guy routine, like, oh, um, Snoop Dogg, uh, on your third album. And I was just like, I can't even be in this conversation. I feel like a fucking honky. Okay, that was one time. And then the second time was with, with Seinfeld, just because uh, I can usually unplug from the status, you know, like I can yeah, yeah. usually trick my brain into going like, oh, this is a dude. I couldn't be unaware of the, the huge comedy status. And I just wasn't really myself when I communicated with him. And I was just wondering, was that stressful for you to be on that, Comedians in Cars? No. As open as that interview was, Jerry is very, uh, what's the word? Uh, He's a counterpuncher, I noticed. Like, you'll say something, and his kind of comedy is to be contrary to what you just said. Yes. Here's how I go when I'm talking to people like, like Jerry Seinfeld or Larry or whoever, people who I love and respect. 
I watched their eyebrows. I looked them in the eyebrows. Because the <laughs> eyebrows control <laughs> certain emotions. The, the eyebrows. I look them in the eyebrows. That's look right. them in the eyebrows. <laughs> Son, when you meet a man, look them straight in the eyebrows. Yeah. No. When you're trying to sell something, when you're trying to sell yourself, when you're trying to sell an idea, you look the person in their eyebrows because that shows interest. That shows like, get the fuck out of here. Get that bullshit. My eyebrows can move a ton of ways. And... The eyebrows tell everything. That's the window into the soul for you. I promise you, you're going to remember me saying this shit, right? I'm going to. You're going to talk to someone, and you're going to look them in the eyebrows, and you're going to say, oh, shit, JB's right. This dude can give a fuck about what I'm saying to him right now. Stop, stop, stop. The next book book you write has to be titled, Look Them in the Eyebrows. It's so ridiculous. Yo, I always, I always say that. I'm telling yeah. you right now. I believe you. I believe you. The eyebrows never lie. When they both go the fuck up, yeah, that means, ooh, okay. <laughs> I see. I see. I see what you're doing here. I agree with you. Like, you play jazz. And if you yeah. go in there and try to play classical with him, you're going to suck. You don't know how to play classical. And when I met him, I have a different rhythm and cadence as well than he does. But I think I was so deferential. I was like, oh, I'm going to try to play opera with him. And I don't know how to. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, man. So here's what you got to do. You got to play your own instrument. Mm-hmm. You got to play an instrument he's never heard before. Yeah. And trust that there's like no disrespect for doing your shit. Exactly. Yeah. Stand-up comedians, we could meet another stand-up comedian that we've never met in our life. and somehow. It'll feel as though we've known each other forever because we love the give and take. But I didn't meet Jerry until after I did the Curb season where we had the Seinfeld season. And then he invited me to do the marriage ref. I met him backstage, but that was only two times I ever met Jerry. I'm just going to mention this. You're in the new Spider-Man coming out, which is fucking awesome. I hope you get to do six of those. Or did they kill you? Did they kill you? No, no. Oh, good, 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 good. I got my foot in both universes. I know, you know, DC and Marvel. You bet on red and black. Fuck yeah, I did. I got my foot in both <laughs> universes right now. The Harley Quinn stuff, I got another voice. I haven't even talked about, I'm not even gonna talk about it yet, but I got another voice I just did on the like, another animated show. And that shit announces, that's fun too. But that Spider-Man stuff is great, man. Yeah. And another seed. This started with me doing a commercial with Tom Holland for Audi. He was promoting Spider-Man Homecoming, and we hit it off. We had a great time talking. And then a fucking less than a year later, fucking, I'm fucking doing the fucking movie. So you plant that little seed. You know what Tom was? He was that fucking dude in first class who talked to me all the way to fucking New York. At a much less impressive level, you and I were in a music video together. We spent the whole day together. Yes, we did, And I'm man. like, I love this dude. Man, little do you know, you one of my dudes. And we haven't even hung out like that. But I fucking love you. I've always fucking loved you. And every Same. time I see something about you, I'm like, man, me and this dude should hang out because, look, he got a Lincoln. I got a fucking Lincoln. We're fucking <laughs> both tall, long, and lean and shit. We both got some kind of character in our fucking faces. All this shit makes sense. <laughs> it does. It does. It totally does. Okay, let's talk about May I Elaborate. <laughs> Daily Wisdom from J.B. Smoove. Yes. This is fun. The last season of Curb, 
what I did was I did something called Leon's Guided Meditation to promote Curve. Yeah. That's season 10. And fun shit to do. Me just taking three to five minutes, just giving some zen shit in my character. And I did three of them. This is something that I feel like I do all the time anyway, is just say these weird metaphors and playing around. So then yeah. I did Conan again, just promoting stuff. And then he ended up calling me back and people saying, hey, would JB consider doing a podcast segment on the show? And I said, yeah, I'd be cool. The idea was, because I did it in that interview, I was giving Conan advice and doing these positive affirmations. And I always do it with him all the time. Every appearance on his show, I find something about him and I pull it out of him. Yeah. And this time they said, you know, this, how about this idea you're doing these positive affirmations and you taking them and you over explain them in your way. I said, yeah. oh shit, I do that all goddamn day. Yeah, so yeah. that's what it is. We take these positive affirmation calendars and you know, these things are like shit, 365 pages of shit, of just fucking quotes. Yeah. And I, I take those, I'll do like one or two bullet points, but the rest, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to say, which uh-huh. it gives me <laughs> a perfect playground to just improvise and have fun within these positive affirmations. Because people, they read them, but sometimes they don't get them. It is literally easily 70% off the top of my head. And yeah. then my good friend, Miles, who's my writing partner, Miles is my co-host. And what we do is he takes everything I say, because no, I go far left, and he'll take it and reel it in. Like, I'll say, climb in someone's window because you're giving them something. And he'll say, nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. And uh-huh. he'll, he'll just counter me with real shit that you ain't supposed to do. So it's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like that. He's straight man in it. He's straight man in it, man. But funny. So it works perfectly. And it's a daily show. It's daily. It's five days a week. And I, I already say, it's five days a week. I get people the weekend to fuck up. And then I unfuck <laughs> them up on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> and how long are they? They're like yeah, 10 to 15 minutes long. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Like if you're on your way to work and you want to giggle on your way in, your little commute, you that's giggle perfect. And you want clarity on something. And a lot of these... Quotes are amazing. They are yeah. deep thoughts, man. You probably accidentally stumble into some profound shit, not intentionally. Ooh. <laughs> oh, man, you'd be surprised. And we end up taking those things that I said, and those would be the title for the actual, for that episode, uh, you know? Yeah. Well, listen, JB, you're radical. Again, I love when you're on Stern. I wish you were on like uh, once a month over there. S- such a great interview. You were great here today. I want everyone to check out May I Elaborate, Daily Wisdom from J.B. Smoove. Sounds like a comedy the daily. Yes, man. So if your jam is to laugh on the way to work instead of get depressed, check out May I Elaborate. <laughs> While you on a ride to work, let me take you on another ride. We're riding two cars at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, good luck with everything. I adore you. So fun to get to chat with you. I love you, man. Let's pull those those stinking Lincolns out sometime. Take a ride up the coast, man. I'm with yeah, it. You've seen mine before, right? I showed you yeah, mine. Yeah, right? of course, of course. Ooh, ooh, love them. That's my era, man. See? Mm-hmm. Woo! Put that seat back and ride, man. Ride. Put a nice crisp white shirt on. Get a cigar <laughs> and a fucking ooh. hat. And ride wow. up PCH, man. You got to put a white shirt on. You got to put a white dress shirt on. I got to eventize better, yeah. 
I just get in the yeah. car, but I, I should I should have an outfit. <laughs> a Sunday drive. Sunday drive look, you know? Yeah, yeah. As if I'm coming home from church, even though I didn't go. Yeah, you put your stand right. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you soon. Y'all be good. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by Primal Kitchen. Primal Kitchen has a simple mission. Change the way the world eats with real food that uplifts and empowers us. As the armchairies know, I tend to avoid specific foods that are delicious because they can irritate me. You know, I get inflamed quite easily. I try to eat paleo. That I feel the best when I do that. Of course, I'm not always successful because I love delicious food, especially in the summertime. But the great news is that Primal Kitchen makes condiments, dressings, and sauces with real food so that I don't have to compromise ingredient quality for taste. Primal Kitchen will get you ready to grill with the perfect cookout companions like mayo, ketchup, sauces and salad dressings made from high quality delicious ingredients which is your favorite sauce money i like the mayo a lot because it has avocado oil yeah the mayo is delicious yes we made the incomparable white bread chicken salad <gasps> sandwich with primal kitchen mayo it and was it was delicious oh never settle make every bite of food exciting you can find primal kitchen in your local grocery store or visit primalkitchen.com armchair expert to learn more never settle Make every bite of food exciting. You can find Primal Kitchen in your local grocery store or visit primalkitchen.com slash armchair expert and use code armchair expert to receive 20% off your first order. We are supported by Credit Karma. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make financial decisions. And now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Who doesn't want instant gratification? If you're looking for satisfaction, there's no need to wait. With Credit Karma money, you could win cash reimbursements for debit purchases. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There are no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 AT Go to creditkarma.com slash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman. After eight years of friendship, we just discovered something new about one another. What? We both have the same ham habits. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we're eating a croissant with ham and cheese and we both acknowledge we really love it when it's thinly sliced That's right. but stacked sky high so much of it Ooh. but it has to be thin thin uh, paper thin it's really crazy how ham can be delicious when it's paper thin and so so when you get a big chunk of ham like yeah. i don't want a half inch Thick I'm not slice like, of ham. like not to throw any ham under the bus. Ham under the bus. Ham shade. But like honey baked isn't my fave because mm. of that. Like the taste is good. I'm just not so into like a thicker. I've always wanted to get one of those those industrial slicers. Ooh. They're so scary. Uh, I mostly fell in love with them over at Arby's when I was a kid. I'd watch them shave that ham yeah. and that roast beef. That's a thin. 
That's a very thin. That roast beast is paper thin. Yeah. You know who else makes the very best, thinnest ham? Who? Jersey Mike's. Oh, yeah. JM. I get the ham sandwich there and and I get extra meat. So do I. (laughs) So it's a ton of ham. Very thin. They'll give you two and a half, three inches of meat piled up sometimes. You get the right person making that sandwich. Yeah. That's sub, sorry. Sure. It's not a sandwich. It's a sub. It's a sub, yeah. yeah. Subway sandwich. Summer, it's a Subway sandwich by yeah. Jersey Mike's. <laughs> <laughs> this is our last fact check, not exclusively at Spotify. Mm. Not to say anything will be any different whatsoever. I can't imagine. Except maybe I'll get like even more exclusive. Oh. Like in more limited a dish. More inside scoop, more tasty. Yeah, like secret tips. Yeah, only, only safe for the Spotify feed. Yeah. I look forward to it. You know, I got panicked because my chef. Your personal chef. My personal chef, Allison Roman. Oh God, I wish. She made all my meals. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Don't you think an inherent problem in that is that could you appreciate them if you were getting them every meal? Yeah, because she cooks different stuff. That's true. I drink about 600 Diet Cokes every day, and each one I crack open does taste as good as any one I've ever had. Really? Yeah. I kind of feel that with matcha. Yeah. Like, it's still delish. Fuck yeah, I'm with you. Mm. Well, it was a product-heavy episode. We've just been pushing <laughs> product from the intro now to into the fact check. You're right. Mercedes, makers of fine automobiles. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so she does these home movies every Tuesday. That's why I get these recipes. She posts videos every Tuesday yeah. of her making an awesome dish. And on the last one, she said, like, the season was over and I panicked. So I was like, what does that mean? I have to wait months before I'm going to get new recipes every week. And I was panicking, panicking. And I didn't know what to do. And I almost like had to DM her and tell her like, you can't do that to Uh, me. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But it looks like they're coming back next week. Oh, (laughs) he's a total false alarm. Why did she even say that? Well. Who knows? I don't know. She has her reasons. Well, you know, since this is our last fact check before the move, I wouldn't mind doing a little light housekeeping. Oh, let's. One is we'll have a lot of different sponsors as we go over there. Yeah. And we've just had so many great sponsors over the last three and a half years. And I'm so grateful for them all. Me too. We've been so kindly supported by so many great companies. And I'm grateful for that. Also, David Raphael, who is the one who has always brought those great partnerships to us. And Nina. And Nina. I'm so grateful for both of them. And uh, also Billy, who we don't talk about, one of our editors. Yeah. I just want to say that Billy is a tremendous editor and we're very, very grateful to have him. He'll stay with us over at Spotify. That's right. I, I Again, just felt like nothing's changing. While we were acknowledging unsung heroes, I thought we should talk about Billy That's a little nice. bit. Yeah. And of course, Wabi Wab. Of course, of course, of yeah. course. And Laura. Everyone. The whole gang. Go ahead and keep listing people. Just random names. <laughs> Bill, Mike, Pete, Gail, Sarah. I got that off my chest. Great. What else? What else has been going on? Well, I mean, you had a big week. We all had a big week. We shot 10 episodes of a new game show called Family Game Fight, Chris and I. And it was super fun and absolutely bonkers. I mean, work-wise. You guys had the craziest (laughs) stuff happen to you. In 20 years of being employed in show business, this has got to be tied for one of the hardest weeks I've ever had. Wow. Because we were shooting until 1 in the morning. There were moments where... We got buckets of iced water dumped on our head. That's right. At the hour 17 marker of working. That, that's 
That's all, asking a lot. Yeah, and then, you know, with any new show, you're figuring out all these things as you go, so there's all these on-the-fly adjustments. It was just, it's crazy. It's, it's an energy output uh, yeah. like none other. Yeah, you guys did great. It's going to be a really fun show, and everyone should check it out. It's coming out in summer. August 11th, and we, we finished last night at 11 p.m., mm -hmm. and now here we are and now here to we are. our real job. Yeah. Yeah. Might as well shout this out, too. Reminder that Monica and Jess applications are up. They're probably going to close pretty soon. How many applications do you have so far? I don't know. I've been staying out of it on purpose, so I don't get in my head. Okay. But last week, Rob did say, like, oh, we have 250. Of course. <laughs> Everyone wants to date you. No. For people who don't know this, we talk about it sometimes. I have about six friends who text me pretty regularly just to update me on how in love they are with One you. One friend. No, 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 two. no, no, okay, no, two. no, no, no. Who else? You have secrets over there? Someone with a verified account. <laughs> Some doctor yesterday, last night, when I got home, I was scrolling through social media. Some verified doctor was like, please DM me so we can talk about getting Monica the right man, clearly himself. Oh, no, probably not. Yes. Wait, was it, it wasn't Vivek. No, 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 no. Okay. No, Because, no. you know, he tried to set me I up. I know. That's so cute. With a fellow Indian, right? Uh-huh. But he didn't live in L.A. Mm. So just, if you're in L.A., L.A. proper, preferably on the east side. <laughs> um, preferably on the east side. And if you're... Pre uh, uh, preferably on the 4900 block <laughs> of uh, Franklin Avenue. Um, um, apply. It's going to be a really fun journey. Somebody was asking me the other day, like, do you have episodes kind of like laid out? And we do. And yeah. they're going to be really, really fun, I think. So if you want to date Jess or I, please apply. Or if you know someone who you think would be great, encourage them to apply. It's going to be fun. Can I ask you a potentially dicey question? Sure. Okay. You always will. <laughs> well, no. Sometimes you, if you tell me you're not in the mood for a oh, dicey question, I would be happy yes, to not ask. You can. What, could you think of a criteria, like a critical mass, where you would believe a ton of people are in love with you. I think thousands and thousands of people like you. Well, what do we mean like? They like you. So you and I have debated this before. I could see your point if you were playing a doctor on television and that's how people knew you. Because you could go, they don't even know who I am. They like this character. Mm -hmm. Anyone who likes you from this show knows exactly who you are. Yeah, I agree. They like you. But they like me. That doesn't mean they're in love with me. I mean, I like a ton of people on podcasts and stuff. That doesn't mean I'm in love with them. I'm saying the way you feel about, you felt about Matt and Ben, people oh, feel about no, you. I don't, yeah, I no, don't, I don't think that's true, but. Um, but what would it take? <laughs> I'm trying to back you into, I guess it's kind of like the money thing, right? Okay. Where you go like, I would feel safe if I had X amount of money. Oh. If you don't decide what that is, how do you know that you've arrived? The thing is, I don't need a city full of people to be in love with me. Right. I just need one person to be in love with me that I'm in love with. Yes. So I don't have this thing of like, well, I guess I do a little bit have like, I want everyone to love me. We all do. But yeah, I think that's just human. Yeah. I don't think I have, especially when it comes to like being in love, I don't have a thing where I'm like, I want 
You, you don't get infatuated with people you meet in real life very often, right? Almost never. Yeah. Right, right. That's part of the issue. Yeah, just <laughs> professors and. Yeah. <gasps> oh my God. Oh. If Eric Covington applied. <gasps> Holy shit. He doesn't live in LA, I don't think. He'd move here for you. Somebody did ask, like, can you move? Can it be out of state? Can, if they're willing to move. <laughs> <laughs> I said that in the intro. I said, no, no, no bullshit. I'll move here. That's too much pressure. Um, this is opening a big can of worms. Oh, good. We love worms. So on the game show, one of the stylists, and he's gay, he was talking about him going on a date, a couple dates with a guy, and they were liking each other. It was going well. And then the person came out to him as trans. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, struggled because he's very woke and he wants everyone to be who they are. But he was like, but I like penises. Yeah, yeah. And I feel bad but this is a, like this all gets so complicated. Yeah, I don't think you can feel bad about what you don't like. Yeah, I, I don't think that's fair. Like I, I don't like pickled herring. I don't feel bad about. But then it. it gets into like I would feel bad if someone was like, I just do not like Indian girls ever. Oh, like, you know, like mm-hmm. if they just blanketly. But when black girls aren't attracted to white guys, that's fine. Yeah, I get, yeah, I mean. <laughs> you you know, you don't, you're not picking what you're attracted it to. Feels, it feels worse when, <laughs> again, it feels worse when it's like the marginalized group is the one that you're deciding you don't like as a whole because, I because know, there's something but- tied into it of like, oh, that's other. It's tricky. I mean, I totally agree with you. Like I said, no, you you can't feel bad about that, especially- Especially in a sexual relationship, you, you, the you genitals. You can't fake it. Yeah, like you got to be a. You got to be a tra- You can't intellectualize that. I don't think yeah. you can apply a, a moral position to what's going to get you sexually attracted. So yeah, I, I don't, it doesn't work that way. It was just an interesting <laughs> conversation, and I could feel like he felt really guilty. And then I started thinking about it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I see all the layers here. Yeah, there's so many layers. I mean, um, you can feel bummed that you're not attracted to someone who you get along great with. Yeah. But but you don't need the weight of morality or transphobia or homophobia or any of these things. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm not homophobic because I'm not attracted to dudes. Right. Exactly. That, that's just not true. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. That happens to me all the time in cis heterosexual dynamic. Like, I'm not attracted to plenty of people I get along great with. Yeah. Yeah. It was just an interesting conversation. That is. There was some exchange. I don't know where I consume this but there was a trans woman who was calling men not attracted to her transphobic and then i was happy to see another trans woman came out and said that's basically the same thing as the straight guys who told lesbians bullshit you're attracted to men you just haven't had the right one or something like no Right. No one gets to tell anyone what they're attracted yeah, to. Yeah, that's true. It's yeah, very... you can't say one person should be open and the other person. Mm-mm. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, apply to Monica. <laughs> <Nick of Joyce. laughs> Anywho. Season two. Okay, JB. Yeah. JB's Let's move on. 
I don't have very many facts. Okay. In fact, I only have one. Oh. <laughs> Does it make you nervous when you say JB Smooth? It makes me nervous. Because the same way 50 Cent can be. Uh, right. Dicey. Well, yeah, that's for 50 Cent, I say 50 Cent. But he calls himself 50 Cent. Of so, course. So I'm trying to call him what he calls himself. But I'm just going by spelling. Yeah, but it does sound like you're, but like his name's really smooth, but you're trying to be super down. So I know. Like well, that's what it sounds like, but it's spelled smooth. It is with a V. Yeah, so but I feel also, okay. But it does give me a little shot of I panic. Know, I know. You know what I liked? Uh, you know what's something that happened on the game show? I was watching up in the room. Control room? Yep. And there was a scenario. There was uh-huh. a game where you had to write words. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to give too much detail. Yeah, to describe rope, and you got to use one word to do it yeah. in five Are people. Are we allowed in. to say this? I think so. Okay. One word clue to help someone arrive at the word rope. Yeah. So someone wrote, God, do you remember any of the other I ones? I don't. Maybe mm. climb or, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and I wrote noose. Yeah. And that, in fact, was the one that the person that guessed, who did guess rope correctly, they said that was the one that got him there. Yeah. But what I'm going to applaud you for, or not even not applaud you, but just as soon as you wrote it uh-huh. and you said it, yeah, you said, hmm, I don't know. This, yeah, this feels a little problematic. problematic. Yeah. And I think that is something maybe you wouldn't have done a couple of years ago. Yeah, well, I, I often say this, which is I've got to step over three or four first thoughts before I get to the thing that I want to be known for. Like my kid screams in the kitchen. My first thought is, fuck, I got to get up. That's literally my first thought. Yeah. Uh, B, my next thought is like, I know this is going to be nothing. Yeah. Right? And then my third thought is like, go comfort your child and I go do it. Yeah. But, but. And by the way, 99% of the time, I'm right. I get there and it was, it's, it's horseshit. Yeah. So yeah, I my personal position is we cannot pretend there's not a word, noose. Yeah. It's a real item. Yeah. It is a word, unless they're going to rename noose to another word. But still, it is an item on planet Earth that sometimes needs to be called by its name. Right. Those are my thoughts. But I can do something that might mitigate someone's sadness even though i don't agree yeah. in which case i did yeah i re- re-recorded it and said bless who i guess when i'm when i was watching and it was happening you had an instinct which was actually i don't know right and even though you have this like intellectual philosophy mm-hmm. which i agree with mm-hmm. i think you emotionally there is something changing a little bit yeah yeah. And I and I think maybe part of it has to do with these people we're talking to and all of these stories you're hearing. And yeah. it's, I don't know, I just, I It's not it. worth it. You know, it's one of those situations, it's a popular saying in AA, I'm sure it's a saying everywhere, which is like, would you rather be happy or right? Yeah. And basically I could have died on that hill and I probably, I could have refused to go say another clue and I probably could have got my way. Yeah. And I wouldn't have felt happy about it. Yeah. I just thought it was Well, good. thank you. Another thing happened. Did you see the other thing that happened? Which one? Category was like Wild West, and you had to say as many words as quickly as possible. So people are saying words really quick at this point. Someone said um, Indians. Oh. Which, by the way, I could could mount an argument for, which is when you're talking about the Wild West, it was cowboys and Indians. It's no 
you know, big riddle why someone thought of course. that. You're speaking so fast. It's like no one has time to think. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's lucky that those were the worst things that I came yeah. out actually in a whole week. But um, it ended, you know, they got, everyone got to use the, those clues and everything. And then just as soon as it ended, I said, hey, while we're here, maybe we'll just get him saying Native Americans. So easy. And that guy was like, good call. The guy who said it. He yeah. was like, good call. Everyone's like, good call. I was like, oh, good. Good. good this good. is easy. Yeah, I just feel like it's slowly moving into, instead of defensiveness, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, all right. Like, I didn't mean anything by it, but sure, if that's going to make someone feel a little better, why not? Yeah, I got to say, man, I, I the one that I'm evolving on, and who knows if it's in the right direction, and I, I'm very hesitant to bring this up because I absolutely idolize the guy, as I think we both do, uh, Jonathan Haidt. Yeah. I'm reading Coddling of the American Mind, and intellectually, the points are bulletproof. He is so smart, and what is at risk, in his opinion, is true. The the integrity of the university system, challenging beliefs. Uh, totally. All those things, they're very valid. But I do also have this other voice now in my head that says... You're upset with their moral panic, but you are caught in a moral panic as well. Exactly. It is not probably the onslaught that they feel like it is. I know. You're going through these examples and it's like fringe. I mean, really, I mean, mind you, there are horrific examples. Yes. Uh, Yes. Evergreen. There's all these really bad examples. There's no question. But- how many are there? Mm-hmm. Is there 20? Think about how many college classes happen uh, every day in this How country. many million kids are getting educated a year in the university system? And is it really a problem? Exactly. I guess I kind of am having that evolution. I said that at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I like that you're thinking that way. Because I, I, I agree. It's just interesting. Like I'm listening to it just in a much different way than say when we interviewed him and he was telling it. And it was candy to my point of view. And now I'm just listening to it going like, yeah, man, I, would, I wouldn't dare. I don't have the skill set to argue with him. But I'm having this broader voice in my head that just goes, this isn't really a crisis. Yeah. And what's being gained far outweighs these pretty isolated events. And those people look fucking idiotic. Like when, 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 those, when those clips break, like even those people that were involved in those cases, even now they're probably 29. Yeah. They feel fucking stupid. Probably. The and they also were young kids with big emotions yeah. and trying to, you know, change the tide. And I, that's all part of it too, you know? Yeah. There is definitely a bunch of fucking wackos out there. Yeah. But it is not consensus. I agree. It's the fringe left. It's the fringe right. Yeah. You know, it's not... I don't think we need to panic about it. Yeah. The other thing is that's like what I find to be a little counterintuitive is this idea that like, well, microaggressions are silly, like of the Jonathan Haidt philosophy is microaggressions aren't real and intentions everything and this, that, and the other. While we are also in this like very intense emotional learning. Spike. Yeah. Yeah. Like- Mm -hmm. Draw your feelings, color the. I'm like, well, you can't tell them to do that and then also tell these other people they can't be upset. Yeah, I think the fear that people must have, I, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm a third of the way through processing these thoughts yeah, that I have on yeah. it. So I'll, I'll regret some of these. But I will say, I try to imagine what's in the mind of the people that are afraid. And I guess people are probably afraid that we're going to get so sensitive and weak that we actually can't function. Yeah, I and I, and, I and that's a legit like concern. Yeah, 
But then another part of me is going like, no, in fact, this trip on planet Earth is way fucking harder than anyone's ever acknowledged. And it's out of fear of appearing weak that we are Mm. afraid to talk about what we are all going through. And one only look at the metrics to grade how well we're doing with all this. Well, we're hugely obese as a country. We have the highest rate of heart disease. We have the highest rate of liver disease. We have the highest rate of cancer, alcoholism, drug addiction, opioid crisis. Like, guess what? We're already failing. So if you think we're going to get so fragile that we're not going to be able to function, we're not functioning already. Yeah. So, so we might as well try this. We might as well try this. Like yeah. I get it. It's for me. It, I, I often have a lot of knee jerky moments where I'm like, "Get over yourself, yeah. dude. You can get through that." But at the same time, like I've for the last three weeks have been in a fucking like crazy cycle of getting triggered and uh, completely out of control. And I had to go to a hotel for two days last week, and I had to. Like yeah. it was a. And I'm sitting there going like, no, this is real as fuck. Like as as goofy as it sounds and as weak as I appear to be right now, it is so real. If I stay in this other situation. You're feeling out of being out of control. Totally out of control and knowing myself well enough to know that when I get to that point, I get very dangerous, whether it's towards other people or to myself. So I know that that's real for me. Yeah. And I can't imagine I'm alone or, or that I'm no, not. No, it's know. every. I mean, it's everyone. I mean, at least you have the tools to know that it's happening and know that you have to find a solution that's not dangerous. And just starting to at 46 in 17 years in AA and yeah. therapy. So I just think we should at least experiment with trying to focus what we educate people on is like understanding themselves, having tools, knowing what the challenge of this ride is. Like you don't get into kindergarten, they go, look, this is a beat down. Here's all the things you're going to experience. Jealousy, fear, abandonment. That'll be the primary preoccupation in your brain, not math, science, or your job. Exactly, yeah. Like that'll be what you spend the majority of your life wrestling. I feel like if you clean those things up, then you could get on to the productive stuff. And it requires some coddling, mm-hmm. like that type of emotional learning, Yeah, which I do agree, I think is really helpful. I mean, even like with your kids, they already have emotional skills that are advanced, like we would never would have had at that no, age. No, 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 no. Because we're focusing on that a little more, but they are way more emotional yeah, in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but they moved through it. Exactly. And I didn't. I like ignored it and then it came out on the playground and it came out here and it came out there. Came out last year. Where? Relapse. Oh, yeah, it came out <laughs> last year. And then also, one other thing, again, I cannot say enough praise for Jonathan Haidt's brain. I'm fascinated. I, I mean, literally, I of all these mega intellects we have either listened to on other people's podcasts or had on ours. He is just among, for me, the very pinnacle of like, I I can't believe someone's as smart as that person. But also, he might be more well-adjusted and he might have had a less traumatic childhood Mm -hmm. and it might be harder for, he might be looking at all this, quote, coddling and the weakness and the vulnerability much like non-addicts always looked at addicts. Like, yeah. just don't do it, duh. Yeah. Have some fucking willpower, duh. You know, like, he might not have any relationship with a lot of the stuff. Well, and that's because Kristen's reading it too, and she was kind of talking through some of the stuff recently. And I was like, <sighs> I mean, and I again, not to necessarily take it here, but like, and none of this stuff means he didn't have trauma because I'm because sh- everyone does, but a well-to-do 
white straight man is telling other people, a, a lot of people who aren't straight white men that they need to get over stuff. And it's like, you don't really get to say that. Like, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what a microaggression actually feels like. Mm, uh, true, true, yeah. So, sure, it sounds so silly. Well, again, terrible naming by the left, again. Microaggression. Like, you call it micro. It means minuscule. I, I, you know, there's a part of me that's, but you don't know what it feels like when somebody makes a small comment that triggers all this immediate old stuff. Again, on top of whatever uh, uh, normal making the sausage of life stuff you're already going through, you were late to work because you couldn't hail a cab and this, 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 and this. You, yeah. you arrive, as we, many of us do, frazzled on the tipping point. And then someone says, "Yeah, you know, where are you from? Yeah. You're like, fuck you, not on top of everything yeah, else. Yeah, I don't have the energy for this. Yeah. But anyway. Anywho, um, anywho. Okay, JB. Tons of respect. Tons of respect. Tons, tons. But yeah. we're able yeah. to have these conversations. Respectful disagreement. I don't even, you know, it's I don't, not again, a I'm not, yeah, I don't even know where I'm at. I don't know. I just know that I'm not reading it. It's a fucking brilliantly written book. It's amazing. Yeah. But I'm not getting that tasty sensation I usually get when people articulate how I feel about something. Yeah. You know, you get that tingle of like, oh man, I wish I could have said that way. That's what I know internally. Yeah. And I'm just not having that the way I would have a few years ago. Changes. Changes. <laughs> okay. So the fact I have is hardscape. He said that word and you said something You're like- You're rich if yeah. you know that word. Yeah. <laughs> um, and hardscape refers to hard landscape materials in the built environment structures that are incorporated into a landscape. Yeah, I learned this term like two years ago. I didn't know when it. we had enough money. <laughs> to build a house. To, to build a house in a yard and actually like, you know, in my life growing up, you built a yard by rolling sod. I, I right. sodded my mom's whole yard. Yeah. There was no grand design of hardscapes and right. fucking flow and all this shit. We put sod down. Does Wait, so hardscape has to do with the lawn? Well, it has to do with like whatever concrete or stone oh, you're going to have intermersed with the natural landscape, right? I like see. if you've got like a brick oh. retaining wall, that would be a hardscape. Any of the oh, non-organic. I, still, I read it and I still didn't get it. So yeah. it's still for outside. Yo, well, you're going to know it when you finish <laughs> your house. You're, you're rich enough to now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. And then this is not a fact, but I have thought about look him in the eyebrows. Oh, it's so good. 60 <laughs> times since we interviewed him. Yeah, yeah. That made the cut. You know, sometimes after we interview somebody, I'm brushing my teeth at night and then I bore Kristen with one of these things. Uh -huh. And that was, I, I tried to roll the whole thing out and just how amazing it was, how serious he and it, sincere he was. He really, about it. Yeah. that's how he goes through life. That's where it's at. He for looks him. him in the eyebrows. Yeah, this window to the soul is the eyebrows for him. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, love that's you. all. I love you. We'll see you guys on Thursday yeah. at Spotify for uh, Barack Obama's. Oh my God. Yeah. Can't wait.